0: Welcome to No Ad, No Problem, a podcast devoted to college tennis and growing the game. Check us out on Twitter at JTweetsTennis and Instagram at No Ad, No Problem. I'm your host, John. Let's serve it up. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. We have officially wrapped regular season play for many conferences across the country, as conference tournaments have already kicked off this Wednesday and Thursday. Joining me to preview some of the biggest conference tournaments this week is Ethan Moskowski. Ethan, you were one of the few people that were able to catch the Texas TCU showdown on the Longhorn Network. How does it feel to be so lucky?
1: Uh, it was awesome. Credit to the Longhorn Network. I know it was hard for people to access, but the the production quality of the Longhorn Network was phenomenal. It's a shame that it wasn't more readily available to Agreed. everybody because frankly, you and I have spent a lot of time talking about how can we make this product more marketable? How can we make this product more accessible to people? And frankly, I thought the Longhorn Network did a great job making it both clear what was going on, focusing on one court at a time, keeping the viewer informed of what was going on, and and providing you know context for that match and college tennis and the various players. And Look, they had a little bit of a Texas bias. It is the Longhorn Network. Uh, But no, I thought they did a great job and and the match lived
0: up to uh, all of the hype that we gave it. Yeah. Did they have additional cameras on court or was it just like play site cameras that they were streaming from?
1: So they had play site cameras on all the courts and then they had additional cameras sort of from a 45 degree angle looking at what was court one and court two. Okay. Uh, And I actually thought that when they switched to those 45 degree uh, angle cameras. I actually thought that was when the coverage or the, the shot was the best. It sort of gave a really good angle. You couldn't quite see the far line super well, but it was super clear. The picture was great. Uh, and then, yeah, every now and then it did seem like they got an angle on court, but they were, they were clearly not like perma, like they weren't permanently set up. They were sort of being moved around. So it was a little bit wobbly at times, but, uh, that could have also been due to how kind of raucous the crowd was.
0: Yeah, I mean, the pictures looked incredible, but I ask about the cameras because I find particularly as we're going to talk about conference tournaments, SEC will be on the SEC network on Watch ESPN. The quality of the college tennis when you just have a few additional cameras, I mean, it's night and day from what we're used to seeing when we're just watching through playsight. It is so much better. So I'm glad to hear that they were able to fund that. I think I talked about this last night on the deciding point uh, where I really praised the Texas program for all of the content that they've produced really leaning and high, in quality, high, high quality, high quality content too. Yeah, Not just I mean,
1: throwing it together They're This is thought through and,
0: and well done. It's extremely high quality. They posted like a recap video today. It's like, yep. it's next level. And so mm-hmm. huge, uh, congratulations to the Texas men for pulling out that victory and basically guaranteeing their number one seed in the NCAA tournament. We will likely see a rematch of that match. We'll talk about that on today's show, which what we are going to do on today's show, we are going to talk about three of the Power Five Conference tournaments that are beginning or have already started this week. We are going to preview the ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC. We are going to do both the men and the women, and it's a lot to cover. So in order to do it efficiently, what we are going to do is that we will each name our one, singular one storyline to watch in the tournament. That could be an overall conference narrative, a team, a player, even maybe a spicy upset pick. We'll each give our one storyline and then we will name our champion and we will go through these six conference tournaments. Ethan, sound like a plan to you? You have everything ready? I'm ready to go. Let's do it. All right. So where we are going to begin first is in Lawrence, Kansas at the university at Kansas University. I'm sorry, where they are playing both the men and women's big 12 tournament. Uh, Interesting here with the big 12 tournament being hosted in Kansas, the Kansas men do not have a uh, tennis team. So this will be a new experience for a lot of the big 12 men going there. But let's start with the women. Uh, so you look at the the draw here, Texas, the number one seed, uh, they only dropped one conference match that was to Oklahoma State, and they were co-champions this year with the Oklahoma Sooners, who come in as the number two seed. Overall, I think there's about four teams you're looking at here that could be capable of winning this tournament, uh, throw in Oklahoma State and Iowa State. Uh, action for those matches kicks off on friday for the quarterfinals and uh ethan we'll we'll give it to you first give me your biggest storyline for the big 12 women's event can
1: somebody set themselves apart from the field i think this is this is the women's conference there's a men's conference as well but this is the women's conference where it feels like the field is genuinely quite crowded we've spent a decent bit of time talking about three of the four teams that you you know you've just mentioned in Oklahoma in Texas and in Iowa State Oklahoma State also you know has a sneaky good season can somebody make themselves a potential contender at NCAAs this is a good testing ground for can you win back-to-back top 20 matches right not every tournament uh you know has that depth to be able to to test the teams in terms of, can you win back-to-back top 20 matches? And I'm not saying back-to-back in a weekend. I'm saying, play a match, go to bed, wake up, play another match, because that is the assignment when you get to Orlando. Uh, And if you're not capable of doing it for two days, you're certainly not capable of doing it for three. So I think this is is one of those, you sort of watch to see who comes out of it because the Mm -hmm. team that comes out of it had full esteem, little bit of confidence. We know that a couple of these teams have quite a bit of NCAA tournament experience. So maybe somebody is about to get hot. It's sort of, I, I think this is this is the women's field that I'm most interested in seeing. Is there a contender that's sort of been hiding in plain sight that we're about to get a real glimpse at? Or are we just going to see a really chaotic conference tournament and, uh, you know, wind up feeling like actually, you know, maybe none of the big 12 is is really in it to win it this year?
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, you think about the Big 12 tournament last year for the Texas women, and I think they were already showing strength towards the end of the regular season, but they really steamrolled. I mean, just steamrolled through that Big 12 tournament that really announced, hey, we won this title in 2021. We are a contender for the NCAA title in 2022. My storyline has to do with Texas. Texas. And it is specifically, will the two-time defending NC at NCAA champ be shut out of a top eight Ooh. seed? So I did the math on this. Right now, they're sitting on the outside looking in. Winning this tournament will get them in. But it still leaves room for other teams to get in. They can't yeah. close the door by just winning this event because you have teams like Pepperdine, Stanford, Ohio State who still have room on the board to potentially catch up with them. So if you're Texas, you don't totally control your own destiny, but you have to win this to be a top eight seed. And look, going on the road as the defending champion in the Sweet 16, not going to be easy. So I I love your storyline because I think it's going to be who can break out from the pack. If Texas doesn't do it, they're guaranteed not to be a top eight seed. And I think the
1: other thing is you look at a team like Texas, not a tier one national title contender, maybe not even on the second tier behind, you know, what is UNC and then the next year, maybe not even on that next year. This is a way to sort of, I don't want to say salvage a season. They've had a very good season, but co-champions of the regular season, win your conference tournament, top eight seed. All of a sudden, if, you know, things don't work out in Orlando or things don't work out in the NCAA tournament, you go, okay, it's fine. We, you know, we covered our bases. We won our conference. we, made indoors we you know we did what we could we got something out of this season yep. for a team like that with the you know coming off of back-to-back national titles and conference titles and all that going home empty-handed would feel pretty bad yeah
0: yeah agreed all right so those are our two storylines for the big 12 women ethan you talked about the peloton there the four teams who is going to break away from the pack who wins this tournament I think Texas is still the team to beat. I know it's sort of the, it's not the uh, it's
1: not the fun pick. No, it's not, it's not the, the spicy. Crea- pick. It's not the creative pick. Yeah, but I I think ultimately Texas is still a team to beat. The spicy pick is Oklahoma, mm-hmm. right? That's the spicy pick. Yeah, the spicy pick is Oklahoma.
0: But so I think, but, power rankings wise, is probably number one. Right? They've probably looked the yeah. best over the past few weeks.
1: Yeah, I I would say so as well, but. Yeah, for for a Texas team, you just it, you you, it, you can't help but get the sense that like at some point we're gonna see a national championship contending look from Texas, and if we're gonna see it, this is it's the time. time. <laughs> and so yeah. I'm yeah, so I'm I'm waiting to see that from Texas. So I'll go with Texas.
0: Yeah, I really think there's a case for all four of these teams: Oklahoma State and Iowa State. Looking at the weather in Kansas, I will say there's likely to be a lot of indoor tennis here. Iowa State. I was going to say, State. I think it really favors Iowa State. I talked about this last night with Gruskin. I mean, talk about a storybook ending for a program that has just, you know, l- endless program first this uh, season to win their first Big 12 championship would certainly be an incredible storyline. Eileen Texas as well. Uh, I-, I think just the the know-how that a lot of those players on that team have i I do think leans leans them but also being indoors you know might favor more of an iowa state so certainly one to watch that is probably the conference tournament on the women's side i'm most intrigued by uh because i do think it is anyone's anyone's ball game there all right let's stay in lawrence kansas where the big 12 men are as well this is a uh abbreviated tournament there are only six to teams say the least <laughs> in the big 12 so you have your four and five play and then you have your three and six play and then you have your semi-finals uh, we talked about these two teams at the start of the episode texas your one seed tcu your two the remaining four teams will have the play and match to make the semi-finals so I'll kick off this one, and look, I'm taking the easy one off the board here, Ethan, so you got to get creative with your storyline on the Big 12 men. My storyline is TCU's NCAA seed. Based on the math, Texas is locked in as a number one seed. Even if they lose, they're locked in. If TCU wins this tournament beating Texas in the final, they're number two. Ohio State can't catch them, even if they win out and beat Michigan. So I think, from a NCAA seeding implication, you know this is round four of this match. That is what this match determines. It also determines the outright winner of the Big Twelve tournament, uh, of which Texas is already the outright winner of the regular season. That's what I'm watching for. That's the spice that we will have if we do see a very plausible rematch here in Texas TCU. So I'll say this
1: plausible. Is the understatement of the century? If we're not getting a Texas TCU Big 12 final, something has gone catastrophically wrong for somebody. My storyline is more specific. This is, I think, as specific as I go on any of these that we'll do. Can Sebastian Gorsny beat Cleve Harper? Oh,
0: I like it. I like it. Talk to me.
1: I think this is the sort of crux. And having watched this match now unfold Okay, three rub times, it in, rub it in. Okay. Have, no, having watched the match unfold three times, right? You've got a win for TCU and two wins for for Texas. You're beginning to see, I think, some patterns. One of the big ones is that there are a lot of third sets, tons of third sets across all these matches, which is a sign that the teams are really, really close. Third sets more or less are toss-ups. Everybody's talented, everybody's really good. The two teams are really really good. Flipping a third set here or a third set there is is not a a crazy leap. I think TCU is very close to feeling good about two points. I thought TCU's doubles point looked phenomenal.
0: Yeah, phenomenal so
1: against Texas. In Texas with a 1000 person crowd, I thought the TCU devil's point looked excellent. I thought we saw Sandra Jong figure out CM Woldy. We saw it. It happened live or I saw it. I saw it. I saw it happen live. And so you and 1300 people. Yeah. Me and 1300 people plus whoever has access to the Longhorn network. Just you, but okay. (laughs) Apparently just me, but no, I, I think, I think TCU has reason to feel good about its devil's point and good about court Four. When you look at one, two, three, and 6, those are all third sets. Yeah. Those are all third sets. Sebastian Gorsny has been one of the best points in college tennis this season, but for some reason, whatever reason, cannot figure out Cleve Harper. If Sebastian Gorsny figures out how to beat Cleve Harper, TCU can absolutely find a way to win this match. If Sebastian Gorsny cannot figure out how to beat Cleve Harper, I think it's a really, it becomes one of these weird idiosyncratic matches where you go, wait, but I think TCU is just as good, if not better than Texas is on paper, but they can't beat them. I think that match is that sort of crux match. And so that's the one that I want to see. I want to see court five. I want to see if Gorsny can sort of get back at Harper after, I think, they DNF maybe at, at indoors. I think it might've been a DNF or Gorsney won. Cleve Harper definitely did not win, but, uh, Cleve's gotten him the last, the last, uh, the last time and was in position to do so, I think in their regular season or in their non-conference match as well. So yeah, I, w- I want to see if, if Gorsney can, can get back, can sort of level the playing field there for the match as a whole, because if so, I think TCU has reason to feel really, really good about three points and a lot of third sets. Uh, so that's that's the
0: one that I'm watching. That's the storyline for me. I like the granularity of it. Uh, Gorsny did beat Harper at the indoor match. Uh, it was not close, four and one. Yeah. Uh, so you yeah. wonder how much of being indoors in that match uh, played a factor in stylistically. Just this matchup favors Cleve going outdoors. Uh, love it. Love the granularity. Like I said, I, I don't want to. I, I know I said one. I'm going to break my own rule here. Just a brief shout out that look. They could have all six teams here in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. But it for means sure. Oklahoma State has to win this match. Yeah. That is a first round match against Texas Tech. They came in last in the Big 12. That is key for them. Baylor as well flirting with the cut line if they want to guarantee that they're in. So those two, we'll call them the play in matches, those are going to be key. Play in quarterfinals. Yeah. Well, but are they a quarterfinal <laughs> if there are only two of them? I don't know. <laughs>
1: they're playing to, the, they're, but they're playing to a semifinal, which is true. Whatever. Yeah. They shouldn't. Uh, have, whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah. Be a so, round robin. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, winner take all. The round robin. Uh. It just meet. You know. TCU and Texas. Uh, okay. <laughs> all right. Any other thoughts on the Big Twelve, Ethan? Before we move on. Uh. No. Excited for
1: round four. Uh, we mm-hmm. could get the very rare five game series. Hypothetically, it's not impossible that we get a a five game set between TCU and Texas, which is rare. There have been four game sets recently. Yeah. But the five game, the five match set in college tennis is a rarity. So yeah,
0: we'll see. The big 12 men in particular like to do that because they're prone
1: to it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because they schedule, they're always going to play in the conference tournament. They always have their small little conference and then they usually play A non-conference match. They usually already have three.
1: The lack of conference schedule because there's only five other teams means that you have a lot of free match dates. So they schedule a lot of non-conference play. But who wants to go to Texas? Well, teams that are already there. So they schedule a lot of non-conference matches with one another. So you get the four-game series a lot between them. Five is is rare. So we'll see if we get it.
0: Five is a high-class problem. It means that you have been (laughs) doing well in non conference play everything aka in everything exactly yeah. <laughs> uh okay so we will move on to the sec we will start with the women this is hosted at the university of arkansas you can expect to see this match on the sec network and on espn plus gave this plug last night as well on the deciding point i will give it again today we all talk about wanting to get more college tennis on tv more college tennis on streaming The SEC's coverage of this event last year was spectacular. I talked about the additional cameras, commentators. If you have access to it, if you can watch it, please do. Tune in, get those eyeballs. Those things do really matter. All right, so brief overview of this event. You have number one seed, Texas A&M. They have run through the SEC for their second consecutive undefeated regular season in the SEC Number two, Georgia, the only match that they lost was to A&M. And then you have what I would call a feisty Tennessee and Florida there rounding out the three and four seeds. So it is possible, right? We see a rematch of the SEC tournament final last year with Texas A&M and Georgia, the two top teams in the SEC uh in 2022 the two top teams this year but hey it's conference play conference tournament You never know what's going to happen so ethan what is the number one storyline that you are watching for in this event
1: Uh, i don't know storylines the the wrong way to put it maybe i'm watching to see if texas a&m can find a variety of routes to four points i think i think we're beginning to see an evolved texas a&m that's capable of winning without carson branstein which we we've we've wondered can they win without carson we've seen it they beat georgia without her they've run the rest of the table without her yeah i want to see if they're going to really contend and i don't mean be the best of the rest i mean if they're going to really contend to win a national title i need to see different calculus to get to four i don't want to see the same player winning every match and i don't want to see the same players down or losing every match that being the real the real thing I'm watching for. I, I want to see. I think Texas A&M is increasingly the favorite to win this conference tournament. I think the gap might be moving. I haven't been as impressed with Georgia. I'd say in the last three weeks as I've been in the previous you know set of months or whatever. So yeah, I, I want to see Texas A&M win, win dominantly, and win in a variety of ways. Those are those are the things that I think if we if we get to see all three of those, Texas a is a legit contender. And maybe they can, you know, compete with UNC if they're winning with the same formula every, every match or they're winning with the same formula and the same people are losing because obviously we're playing clinch now. So, yes, it's partially about who finishes first. Yeah. But if the same people are losing every match and the same people are winning every match. I have some serious doubts about, about their ability to, to contend for a national title. Winning a national title means you have a lot of different people who can win in a lot of different ways on a lot of different days. So I need to see Texas A&M do
0: that. This is the proving ground for them, you know, for them to do that. I expect them to win the tournament. Okay. Well, there's your tournament pick. Ethan's going with Texas A&M. Basically what I'm hearing from you is, you know, we know how good Mary Stoyana is at one. We know how good the freshman Mia Coopers has been now at three. And we know how good JC Goldsmith the fifth year is, right? You're looking for production from Salma Ewing at number two, you know, Darius Metnikoff at five and uh, Morales at six.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I I, I want to see, I want to see that when Mary Stoyana has a bad day because, hmm those happen, it happens, Texas yeah. AM and m can, can win a match. When yeah. Cooper's has a bad day, Texas AM and m can win a match. When they lose a doubles point, Texas AM and m can win a match. I, I want to see that they have more than this, you know, look, this route's great for them. And there's reason that they have this much confidence in it because it's worked right. The record, the record is what the record is, but I want to see that they can win in a lot of different ways, not just the one.
0: Yeah. And you know, I think they have all of the records are still quite strong because they've had a very good season, but you're just looking for some other players to step up. I think that's really fair. Uh, I think particularly when you say, Hey, it's not just, can you be the best of the rest, which Texas A&M clearly is right now from a points perspective, they are a tier in themselves right now behind North Carolina. If you want to go into the NCAA tournament with confidence that you can beat North Carolina, you have to believe that you can win on every single court.
1: Yeah, because UNC believes UNC can win on every court and UNC's proved that they can win on nearly every single court, every single day. So yep. you you have to show that you can match up with them because if you're giving away points, if you're hemorrhaging points to UNC team and saying we have this one route that includes these four points, the likelihood that you can execute on all four of those in one day, it's not great.
0: Right. Yep, I'm... Very much looking forward to a potential, another rematch here of Texas A&M and Georgia in the final. I went a little differently on the storyline here. My storyline is who will get the SEC's fourth top 16 seat? As it stands right now, A&M, Georgia definitely locks. Tennessee, very likely a lock right now, sitting at 14. The question really comes down to a 4-5 or five match in Florida, the four seed, Auburn, the five seed, whoever wins that match, highly, highly likely going to be a top 16 seed. Whoever does not win that match, going to be on the outside looking in. And I'll tell you what, if you're on the outside looking in for either of those teams, Auburn and Florida, there are a lot of top tier teams that you could be sent to in the the first two rounds, right? You're talking driving distance to North Carolina. You're talking... There are a lot of State, ACC, a lot of ACC State, schools, Duke, Duke yeah, North
1: Carolina, UVA, like exactly.
0: It's a crowded little Mid Atlantic, you know, to southeast, southeast region, exactly. So that is what I am watching for because I truly think that that is a winner take all match, and we just saw that match as well this past weekend. We saw Florida go to Auburn and beat Auburn, so these teams will be extremely familiar with each other. I'm looking forward to it. You already gave your winner as Texas A&M. That match with Georgia, it was so close. It came down to third set tie breaks. It was in College Station. The problem with Georgia is they have the most untrustworthy doubles point I can remember. And it's so bad. (laughs) And they're (laughs) such a good team in singles. And... Meg Kowalski has been out these fast past few matches. Yes. I don't know how serious that injury is. Just for some spice, I'm gonna go Georgia Ooh. because look, if they were that close in college station in a neutral court in Arkansas, why not? But uh look, AM has looked very good, and they certainly have the ability to put a huge punctuation mark on this already incredible season. Yep. And not much to lose for AM. They're likely two seed yeah no yeah they are the ncaa two seed you can lock that in right now all right staying in the sec but moving over to auburn we are with the sec men again this is likely going to be on the sec network watch espn i will give my storyline here ethan but before i do that i will preview the event just a tad so number one seed here is the undefeated sec regular season georgia One of just their, it's their sixth undefeated SEC regular season in the Manny Diaz era. So since kind of the late 1980s, so extremely impressive season for them. It is a la Virginia in 2022, where they do not lose after indoors, really impressive stretch for this Georgia team, but they are joined by number two team in Tennessee, who has also had a good stretch of matches here. NCAA finalists, Kentucky is their three seed, and South Carolina, a team that peaked somewhat early in the season with that win over Ohio State. They round out the four seed, have kind of been stumbling to the finish line, I would say, in the SEC. Looking forward to all of these matchups, there are a lot of meat on the bone and ranking points to be gathered here in the SEC. My number one storyline, though, is Who's the hotter team, Tennessee or Georgia? Your top two seeds here in the SEC. As I mentioned, Georgia hasn't lost since indoors. They've won 13 matches in a row. Tennessee, they've won their last eight. Their last loss, a 4-3, extremely close match to Georgia in Athens. Since then, they've beaten top 10 teams in South Carolina, Kentucky, top 10 adjacent in Columbia. Look, if we get this final, that's what's going to tell us who is the top dog in the SEC, who is the hottest team in the SEC, and I'm looking forward to it. Ethan, thoughts on my storyline and then give me yours. Yeah, I mean I I think
1: that's that's a that's a very good one. Mine is sort of adjacent to that, which okay. is how many top 8 seeds do we get and in what order? Yeah. The the SEC right now has four teams in and or around the top eight with the four that you mentioned, Tennessee, Georgia, Kentucky, and South Carolina. There is a world that involves all four of them being in the top eight. It involves some other stuff outside of their conference happening, but it is possible. But what I think is more interesting is that three of those four could wind up at the front of the four of them at the, at the end of this. In the NCA uh, rankings, right? Right now, Georgia's in the driver's seat. They're They've got the most points. But I believe if Tennessee winds up winning the conference tournament by beating Georgia, Tennessee will have the most.
0: Mm. And
1: I believe if South Carolina beats Georgia and Tennessee, South Carolina will have the most.
0: Wow, okay.
1: So it is possible, I believe, that any of those three teams could wind up the four seed at NCAAs, it is also possible that two of those teams, I think, wind up outside of the top eight. So it's sort of a chaotic, yeah, crazy, there's a lot of, you said there's a lot of meat on the bone. There's a lot on the line for all of these teams because there's a ton of point opportunities. So we'll see what we get.
0: Yeah. I think that's I think that's huge. I mean, we talked about the Big Twelve women where we said, hey, there's four teams here, but I wouldn't say there was as much on the line, right? Like Oklahoma women could win that Big Twelve tournament. They're not going to be a top eight seed. And now you look at these four teams that you've listed here in the SEC in Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, and South Carolina. You're talking about being a four seed or maybe not even being a top eight seed at all. Like that, it's a lot of variance happening. And this has ripple effects on every other conference right because how this shakes out means what sort of guardrails are they putting in place of can other teams jump them or not so a lot to track here in the sec tournament
1: yeah there are severe limitations on the ranking potential of in particular uva and michigan depending on what happens with the sec the results that take place in the SEC can open the door for a team like a UVA in particular, but also for Michigan, knowing that they probably have another, you know, another another match with Ohio State left. Okay. There's a ton of potential for those teams to pick up UVA and Michigan. And that is to pick up a bunch of points, depending on what happens in the SEC tournament. That could move them up a lot, like as high as four or five, or they could win their conference tournament and be stuck. So the SEC sort of is the driver of this whole dance here of the rankings between really the four spot and the nine spot. And that's because they occupy the vast majority of those spaces. So yeah, I think it's a really, really interesting one. I uh, It's the hardest conference to pick, in part because there are probably two top eight matches for all of, you know, for the team that wins, they're going to have to win two you know, two top eight, certainly top 10, but possibly two top eight matches
0: to win this conference tournament. It's the only conference that's like that. Yeah. I mean, two things to underscore. You mentioned this at the top, but these conference tournaments, I mean, nothing better as a proxy for what you're going to have to do if you want to win the NCAA tournament, right? You look at the, this SEC match. I mean, they're going to have a tough quarterfinal match and you're going to have to go back out and play a top 10 team in the semis and a top 10 team in the finals. If you want to win this event. That is great practice for NCAAs. It's exactly what you have to do. The other big takeaway to underscore with these tournaments is, I mean, the these matches in a silo are worth matches of the week caliber. We're getting yes, maybe absolutely. a rematch of Georgia-Tennessee. You have multiple of those within a conference tournament and multiple of them in other conference tournaments, just the amount of points. I and mean, when you start doing the calculations week after week, and you're talking, oh, one match here, one match here, it's all matches everywhere. It's a point extravaganza. It's a lot to keep track of. Yeah,
1: you can completely reorganize if you go on college <laughs> and go to your what if calculator and just put in the various different permutations between the SEC, the ACC mm-hmm. and the big 10, you can rearrange basically four through 10 in more or less, whatever order you like, depending on the results that you put in, some of which could range from very plausible to highly implausible. But either way, you can, I mean, this, these conference tournaments really are the biggest, most weighty factor in how the final rankings show up that, you know, determine
0: NCAA seeds. Yep, absolutely. All right. So I don't think you've given me a winner pick here in the SEC on the men. Give it to me. I'm going partially
1: out of desire, but partially out of uh, I. I do think this is a very legit pick. I'm I'm going Tennessee. I think Tennessee is gonna 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 re, you know avenge its loss to to Georgia. I think Tennessee when Tennessee and Georgia played, I think Tennessee was still picking up steam, and I think Georgia had really Georgia's you know been at exit velocity here for a while. I yeah. think Tennessee's been sort of you know picking up steam steadily and it's gotten better and better and better. I'd say Tennessee really hit that mark when they kind of blew up Kentucky 2 weeks later. Um I I'm going to go with with Tennessee because they were right there with a Georgia team that I think was playing better than them at that point in Athens. This is not in Athens. No, we're at a neutral site now. There are going to be less people there, just in general, rooting for Georgia. And if that makes one, literally one point a difference, Tennessee wins the previous match, right? Like Tennessee had dual match point, right? Yeah, you don't just so, mean like a point no, of seven. You mean literally a single one, point. singular point. That's how close Tennessee was to winning that match against Georgia. Um. So yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna go with Tennessee. I also think I do think. It makes what goes on in other, it, Tennessee winning brings the other conferences into play a lot more, which is my personal bias. I would like the ACC to get more active in the top eight. Um, but Tennessee doing, you know, Tennessee winning brings a lot more teams into play. So I think it, it's the more fun outcome. It splits the little head to head between the two of them. Uh, and yeah, I think they were right there in Athens before they were really peaking and and now I think they're they're getting close to peaking at the right time.
0: So, yeah, Tennessee 4-3. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you do wonder a little bit. I mean, it, it's tough to maintain this velocity for this Georgia team, right? And it's like every weekend is an emotional weekend. They're getting victories, they're setting records, they're getting a lot of attention, which is all great, but at some point, you know, how much can you keep that up? I do think we will get a rematch of Georgia Tennessee here in the final. Well, a- any final would be a rematch, but I think <laughs> In particular, I think we'll get a rematch of this match. I like Tennessee in doubles, and I like them at one, and I lean Georgia at five and six. And so the question for me comes down to: you have to lean Georgia at two, no? I mean, Phil henning has been so solid. So I'm getting there though, right? Because those are like my bookends of yeah. like, okay, these are my two points. So you, these are my two, two points. A piece two apiece. Two apiece. And, and I go. Four. And I go. Look, Henning, Bride, and Kreuter, right, against Hud, Bicknell, and Mitsui. Mitsui. Give me Mitsui and give me Henning, and it's coming down to, what is that, Bicknell and Bride on court three? Yeah. yeah. And so the question is, like, who do you trust more, right? And I Eileen, the fifth year, Trent Bride, all day in that match. Uh, we saw that happen. Now, there was a big crowd for Trent Bride, but... Look, he saved like a, three match points. Yeah, no he did. Uh I you know I just it's look I, I lean the fifth year uh I lean the one that um you know has I think a significantly more ties and hair more <laughs> on the line more on, more the, on line. the line. Yes. Uh all right so that is the SEC men. All right you mentioned the ACC let's start with the ACC men because you mentioned it. We'll start with the men. This uh, tournament is a dual gender site. They have both the men and the women in Cary, North Carolina. believe this will be on the ACC network. Since we're doing the men, I, I've been doing the men. So why don't you give me your men's take, your number one storyline for the ACC tournament. But before you do, and I keep forgetting, brief overview Number one, Virginia, undefeated regular season here. They are a top eight team right now. They are joined by number two, Duke, who has had a historic year in the ACC. 11 wins, the most in program history. Number three seed, NC State. A number four seed, North Carolina. I would throw in Florida State there as the fifth seed because those are really your top five teams with Wake on the outside looking in this begins those quarterfinal matches begin on thursday and it runs through um oh sorry the round of 16 begins round of 12 <laughs> round yeah. of...
1: you've got you've got the it, the acc tournament is weird because you really have a true play in today right like right? clemson and boston college played one match today on wednesday yeah yeah which i'm just gonna i don't know but i'm gonna guess clemson won and yep. then you basically have play in matches to the quarterfinals yeah uh which they are traditional matchups it's the 8 and the 9 seed it's the 7 and the 10 seed they're like yep. your traditional quarterfinal matchups but they play in to play the top 4 seeds in the quarterfinals yes uh which should be friday
0: you are right those are on friday all right, Ethan. I've, I played this one once. Yeah, life. this one. This one you have a little. I'm bit familiar with anyway. this one. <laughs> Give me your top storyline heading into this very familiar event. Uh
1: how much production does UVA get from courts five and six? Uh, I think, I think UVA has proven they are probably in a field of their own in this conference. They have really, frankly, not been super on edge, I would say, in any of these matches. NC State gave them a very good test a couple of weeks ago, but they had really solid results against Duke and UNC. Uh, So I just want to see, sort of like what we were saying with the Texas A&M women, if UVA is a legitimate national title contender, they cannot win by relying on doubles in their top four. That is five points of which they would have to win four. That is way too narrow of a path For a team that has won a national title before and believes that they can do it again, this is a wonderful opportunity to test the productivity of courts five and six. I think UVA might be able to win this tournament on the merits of doubles and its top four, but I would like to see them do it using their full lineup and getting points from courts five and six with Alex Kiefer and Mons Dahlberg. If UVA is getting production from courts five and six, they are a tier one contender for a national title. If they're not, I have, I have reservations that make me very unhappy. So I think the biggest storyline to watch is what's the level of performance on court five and six for UVA. I'm, I will be, you, we all know who I'm picking.
0: Uh, Ethan is picking the number one seed Virginia, the defending national champion. Let me push you a little bit on this storyline though, because other than being maybe slightly biased, what what sort of production are you looking for from Dahlberg and Kiefer? I mean Kiefer is undefeated in the ACC. So yep. if he wins matches or DNFs, like what are you going to take away from that? Well, so what I would
1: say is dnFing this is this is the unfortunate part of of the conference tournament in particular a little bit is, DNFing doesn't really tell you a lot because you have to DNF. It's clinch now, right? Mm-hmm. Unlike before, where sometimes you DNF and sometimes you play out. Now it's clinch. So you're sort of looking at unfinished score lines and trying to make sense of them. Yeah. Um, I would like to see them. I look, I, I'm gonna be really hard on UVA for a second because I love them dearly, which is to say I think they are in a league of their own in this conference. I think they should dominate this conference tournament. If they're if they're a legit national title contender, they should dominate this tournament. This should be a routine showing from UVA, including on courts five and six. It should not be that UVA is in a league of their own on courts one through four and they're playing three set matches on five and six. I want to see that five and six are on the same page as one through four. The score lines look similar up and down the lineup. I want to see matches where they win all six first sets. I want to see matches that are done four-zero. In under two and a half hours, I think this should be, if UVA is a national title contender, that's the that's the, the theory. If they're that good, if they're a real national title contender, I think they should be winning this tournament going away on all of the courts, not just on court one where we know Chris Rodesh is good, not on court two where we know Inyaki is good. I want to see that they have, like we were saying with Texas A&M, they have the diversity of options to win matches in a lot of ways using a lot of different, you know, Point construction and match calculus. I, I think this is a good opportunity for those guys to prove, hey, it's not Dubs and three of the top four. We're a part of this as well. You know, we're a part of this as well, and we're going to contribute. And we're going to put points on the board for our team, and we can win a national title this way. That's what I want to see. This is their last opportunity to prove that because I think, yes, they both had very good ACC seasons. That's not to take anything away from any of them. Uh, but I, you know, I I want to see that in winner take all matches because that's what this is. There's no tomorrow. If you lose, your tournament's over. I, I want to see that that you know when the pressure's beginning to get cranked up, they're they're producing the same way they were during the regular
0: season. You know what UVA did not do last year is dominate the ACC Win tournament. the ACC tournament cleanly, trust yeah. me, I remember. And they were still clearly- We didn't do it the year before either. We didn't nat- do it the year before well, either. Well, you also didn't win a national title the year before, but in 2022, you did. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, if they win again, if they can dominate these matches, I'm not sure you're going to learn more or less. I mean, you're talking about two guys who have combined lost one match in the ACC this year. I don't know if that the ACC five and six is going to really be the benchmark that you're looking for, but sure. I'm if they, hard
1: on my guys and I have if, high expectations
0: for them. That's okay. Well, is. you know, a team I have high expectations for Ethan, that is Duke. the n- number two seed Duke. I mentioned that yeah, they have. 11 ACC wins. It's the most in program history. Do you know the last time the Duke men's tennis program won the ACC tournament?
1: One? Only two teams have won the ACC tournament like the last 17 years. So it was probably, they were probably the last team to do it when it was like 2005?
0: Oh, you were so close. 2006. 2006 2006, I think it was on the tip of your tongue there so look this is a Duke team that has run the table in the ACC outside of that match against UVA they come in as the second seed they come in as the second highest ranked team for me the storyline is can Duke win their first ACC tournament since 2006 no (laughs) (laughs) I think the answer is no however it's something to watch for because if uh, if uva is not up to the task of winning a national title this year they could lose right to a duke team in this final the challenge with this duke team is they have a very clear match calculus and it matchups so poorly with uva right they have an incredibly strong top three in garrett johns pedro rodinas and andrew Zhang. after that it gets a little shaky and that is sort of a similar model to what uh, uva has as ethan referenced uva's five and six you know want to see more production from them but i do think worth noting that this duke team has had a historic season and is potentially uh going to make history because even if they don't win ethan when's the last time they made the acc tournament final
1: oh well uva it's going to be a lost uva and it's going to be I, I actually I know a lot of the ACC tournament finals and so I'm trying to like back solve uh 2013 12 12
0: 2012 12. so over a decade since they have made even made the final right so there is history to be made here for this Duke men's tennis team
1: and so can I just say quickly for Duke I I think them making the finals of the acc tournament this year is a massive triumph uh i distinctly remember last year them losing in one of the essentially quarterfinal play-in matches to clemson in the what would have been their first match and it was embarrassing like that 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 was an embarrassing low i think so for them to have like you said, run the table outside of the defending national champion who returns most of their team, yep. having you know run the table against all of the teams but that one and gotten themselves the two seed. Duke, Duke if I'm in Duke's position, I'm going everything on the line to make the ACC finals. And if we get there, we get to play super free. We're a massive underdog. We get to swing for the fences and really go for it and see if we can pull off the upset. But for Duke, the goal has to be make the finals, secure them. I mean, they're pretty locked into a top sixteen fight, mm-hmm. I think. yeah, but get yourself up as high as possible. I mean, if Duke makes the finals and the right sort of you know cards get dealt, Duke could wind up the eleven seed at at NCAs, and you don't know. You've not played teams really outside of the top eight. you know, you haven't played teams in the top eight outside of UVA. so, they played kentucky actually pretty well i think they played south carolina relatively well so it's like get yourself up as high as possible you never know maybe you get the opportunity to go on the road if you don't beat uva and you know in in the acc finals maybe you learn something that allows you to go on the road in the round of 16 and pull an upset there and and then all of a sudden you're in orlando so you know for duke get to the finals take your chance against uva and learn from it and then know that you're going to get another shot at one of these sort of high end matches with a huge you know ticket to orlando on the line so for duke i think there's a lot of upside here uh but
0: yeah you know who i'm picking yes uh, i am picking that same school virginia defending national champion i to figured win. we
1: might agree on this one we are agreeing just so on everybody knows just so everybody knows john is also a uva grad this is true. <laughs> like I feel this like it true. gets lost on people that you are also a UVA alum because I am so biased.
0: It's because you extremely are also objective. a
1: UVA grad.
0: <laughs> I'm also farther removed than you are, and I did not <laughs> yes. play on the men's tennis team, so there are less biases at play. All right, let's close out with, gosh, the heaviest hitting tournament, insane, in, insane, insane tournament. The ACC women again hosted in Cary. So if you are Anywhere near Cary, go out there, check out these matches. You get two for one, men and women. And
1: I should also point out, the Cary Tennis Facility is a phenomenal tennis facility. It is a great place to watch college tennis. It is a super, it's just, it's a great facility. Everyone in Cary is super great and very helpful if you need anything um it we've always had we always had a great time in carry minus the fact that whenever you play a team from North Carolina it's basically a road match that aside the tennis facility is is great we've always really enjoyed being there when when I was on the team it is a lovely lovely facility and it's absolutely worth checking out if you go in the first couple of days and the matches aren't necessarily what you're looking for there are like a bajillion tennis courts there teams will be practicing and just walking around It's a great place if you're in the area. It is 100% worth going in person.
0: Awesome. Huge plug for that. Uh, Hopefully people get out to see it. Uh, If you can't catch it in person, it will be on the ACC network. All right. This is uh, headlined by number one North Carolina Tar Heels, who just completed their undefeated regular season. They were undefeated in conference play. Number two seed is Duke, who they beat last weekend very handily. Number three is NC state who should have Diana Schneider at the top of the lineup and closing out the top four are the Virginia Cavaliers who will likely face a tough four or five match in Miami. Action begins on Thursday for the round of six, I'll just call these the play-in second day of play-in and then the quarterfinals are on Friday where all of those top four seeds will be in action all right Ethan all of those top four teams are top 10 teams right yep. and I think all top seven seeds are top 25 teams I think I'm right on that. I know
1: that the top five are all in the top 15. I know Miami
0: is 13. Yeah. And I choose the six seed. So it's Florida State and Georgia Tech. but Georgia Tech is in the top 25. Uh, I have to check on Florida State, but they're all ranked high. They're all ranked extremely high. So you talk about a point (laughs) extravaganza. In a lot of ways, this is the rich getting richer uh, because, you know, if you are a Virginia, you're a four seed. You're going to have to beat a Top sixteen, Miami. You're going to have to beat number one, North Carolina, and then play a top ten team in the final. Lot, a lot of points here within the ACC. Ethan, this was a really exciting tournament last year because we chaos saw rain. chaos. Finally, it, the rankings. Chaos we saw. Exactly. Virginia beat number one, North Carolina, at that time. Duke ends up winning the tournament. Duke goes on to make the NCAA semifinals. So does North Carolina. I mean. Lot of action here in these ACC women's tournaments. Give me your top storyline that you are watching for. I think the storyline
1: is which NC State do we see? Mm. Uh, I think this whole tournament
0: is about NC State. Uh, I no seriously because I think no, I'm laughing seen... because my storyline is NC State. Like I just wrote yeah. <laughs> NC State.
1: <laughs> NC State because I feel like we we know UNC. Okay, like we know U.S.G. There's nothing. We don't need any more evidence from U.N.C. And I kind of feel like we know Duke at this point too. We've seen Duke play a lot of high quality matches. We've seen them play NC State and win. We've seen them play U.N.C. and lose. We've seen them play U.V.A. now a while ago and play a competitive match and drop it. But we feel like we know the personnel of you know of Duke, and Duke at this point is pretty secure in their top eight. See. So this tournament's about NC State because what is NC State? <laughs> like no, seriously, what are they? Are they are they the team that annihilated Texas and dominated UVA or are they the team that wasn't even remotely close to beating UNC? <laughs> Because those were two different teams. Mm-hmm. And yes, Diana Schneider just come back from the pro event. but Well, she didn't play well, the North Carolina match. But oh, she, she didn't play there. the North Carolina match.
0: Yeah, and she, she did came play back the, Duke the Duke match. match and yep. they,
1: but they were, they were right in the Duke match. But they were. It was a 4-3 match. It was 4-1. Four, 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 yeah, 4-1 clinch though. Match. It ended up yeah. being 4-3. But I, I want to see which version of totally NC State agree. that we get. If we get the version of NC State that showed up and really looked. Legit against Duke, or not against Duke, sorry, against UVA and against Texas, that version of NC State, I want to see play UNC.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. that version could beat UNC. I have no interest in watching the NC State that played UNC the first time. At, Even if you add, I have have no interest in watching UNC Sorry, win this tournament 4-0, 4-0, 4-0. That is like the least interesting thing that could possibly happen here. We know UNC is the number one overall seed. They've been undefeated for a gajillion years. They're going to be the number one overall seed. They won indoors. They won the regular season. They blew out everybody. We know what UNC is. I want to see somebody push them. And I want to see it be NC State because NC State has exactly the right personnel to push them. So I want to see it and I want to see it now. Okay, (laughs) like like that's to me, that is the storyline is, is, are we going to see a version of NC State that is a legit national title contender, not second tier, but can compete with UNC. And this is a really nice opportunity to see if they can do that. Not only because we're going to see the full sort of accoutrement of NC State players, but also because they're going to have to beat Duke and then do it against UNC. We're going to have to see it in the right sort of context to see if it's replicable in Orlando. So this is exactly the proving ground for NC State, and I want to see them do it. I'm not saying I'm, I'm expecting them to beat UNC, but I want to see it be competitive, and I want to see them go home going, "We can beat that team." That's the I want NC State to walk away from the ACC tournament going, "We can beat UNC." Even if they don't do it then, I want to know that there's a team out there that genuinely and legitimately and reasonably believes that they can beat UNC this year. And I think NC State's that
0: team, but I want to see. Perfectly well said. Couldn't have said it any better myself. Thank you. Look, we were robbed of the with Diana Schneider match against North Carolina. They did not look, NC State did not look good. They did not look good. They were remotely close. Now. Not even closer. the one silver lining is that, despite that incredibly tough eight-day stretch, they looked better and better after the, after that weekend, right? Every match. So this is a team that is playing better, right? And you're right. Look, as fans of college tennis, we are grasping at straws for someone to feel like a test for North Carolina, and it was disheartening for that fan. To watch NC State lose to Duke, see Duke beat NC State, and then Duke totally just get dominated Not even close. They, no one
1: was even close. Nobody got close to UNC in the ACC regular season. And I don't mean like, oh, UNC won a lot of matches. UNC won enough first sets in, I believe, every match, except for their match against UVA in Charlottesville, like right after indoors. They won enough first sets coupled with the doubles point. To have been like, okay, we're good. Yeah. Like, oh, we're, yeah. we're position. Nobody, nobody stressed UNC out. Nobody made UNC win a third set match to clinch. Yeah. Like,
0: they could win their matches in straight sets. I want to see somebody make them stressed. Yeah, and look, if it's not NC State, it's not NC State. And maybe it's Duke, right? But, like, we're looking at the personnel here saying, like, well, we just saw that Duke match, and it doesn't look like it's going to be Duke. So maybe it's NC State. Let's give that a try. Give me Diana Schneider at one. Give me an engaged Diana Schneider, of which she was not against Chloe Beck at at Duke. And let's let's see, because coming into the season, that was the thought, right? You have a top 100 WTA player at number one. You have a lot of the same personnel that has made deep runs in the NCAA tournament. And a great doubles point and a great doubles point. Doubles point plus one. NC State's halfway there. Okay. And that was, that was I feel like, it's like deja vu. That was the calculus coming into the season, right, of like, how do you beat a team that's going to beat you in doubles and win at one? They're up 2-0, right? And they can do that against North Carolina. They can. Yep. Now, North Carolina is a strong doubles point. They have the number one player in the country in Fiona Crawley. So, look, it's not, uh, you know, easy. It's an uphill battle. For sure. But we need to see it. And so it begins here in the ACC tournament, particularly given that NC State did not have a strong ACC tournament last year where they lost to UVA in the quarterfinals. So I'm very interested in seeing what NC State we get.
1: And I will just point something out about the ACC tournament this year versus last year. And this is important to note in general. The difference between the facility in Rome, Georgia, and the facility in Cary is enormous they're completely different they play differently the weather could not be more di- i mean rome georgia right now it is summer like isn't that summer. good though carry is not summer so if your team likes being outside but doesn't love 85 degrees and sunny at 3 p.m carry is much better for you also, NC State, Duke, UNC—they're all right down the road mm-hmm. from the Cary facility. Wake is a little bit further, but those three teams in particular are driving distance. They're sleeping; they're not in hotels.
0: Yeah, that's huge. They're, they're
1: like they're. This is just real life for them. There's no travel necessary. So I would not be surprised to see NC State perform significantly better in Cary than they did in Rome. Obviously, the addition of Diana Schneider's. Uh, very large aspect in why i expect more of them this year than last year but i would also say all other things equal they should be better in carry than in rome would be my guess
0: the flip side of that though is you mentioned orlando is more like rome yes orlando is more like no i was going to say the fans because you mentioned that like north carolina is going to turn out a lot of fans nc state they do not a lot of them will not as well
1: not as well but i would point out unc travels the UNC women's team and the men's team, but the UNC women's team travels better than... I mean, Rome, Georgia is not easy to get to.
0: Right. Do they but still have a lot like, of fans there in the ACC tournament? When's yes. There? It okay. was
1: like the at the UVA-UNC semifinal match last year in Rome, Georgia, which I was lucky enough to attend. Great match. Um, it was like the families and very, very close friends of the UVA women. and. The UVA men's team versus a whole host of UNC people who were not related to anyone on the team who just were fans. Yeah. So it is uh the UNC team travels well no matter what. But no, I, I think the broader point is is that uh I do think the circumstances of being in Kerry lend themselves to all three of those teams having very good performances here. It puts You know the Uvas and the Miamis, who granted are traveling in either you know scenario that we've sort of posed here. It puts them at a at a more significant disadvantage because the other three teams are basically playing at home. I mean, NC State has played dual matches at Cary just for fun. Like they've used that facility for dual matches to get a new crowd out or to do a showcase match or. You know the indoor facility there has six courts, which NC State does not. So mm-hmm. I know that they've done kickoff there before. I think to oh, allow okay. for the for the six court facility uh, usage. But yeah, they they regularly use that facility and practice on that facility. So there's a there's a level of familiarity for those three teams in Cary that's not there yeah. uh, anywhere else for any and of you, the other teams.
0: Yeah, and you saw these three programs jointly host uh, all Americans this past year. Yep. Uh, in carry. So all these teams very familiar with that facility. All right. I know you want to see North Carolina get tested. Do they get tested to the point of losing the ACC tournament?
1: No, I, I okay. think, I think UNC wins the ACC tournament. I do okay. think we're going to see them. I don't think they're going to win 12 zero. Like, I don't think they're getting through, you know, three matches without dropping a point. I expect to see them lose. Let's go three points in three matches. I'll let you figure out the distribution of that. But three points in three matches, uh, and they win. I think this is this is an interesting... I think they have a chip on their shoulder. They're used to being the defending ACC champs. Last year, they got taken away from them. Now they're back in their own backyard. They've had a phenomenal start to the season. It seems like the personnel is still firing in all, on all cylinders. No real serious injury concerns. I think UNC is primed to win this again. I do think they get pushed, maybe not quite tested, but pushed. And then, you know, we'll see if we get, we get another match in NCAs that, that does the same, but I, I think UNC wins.
0: Okay. I too agree that North Carolina wins this match that three, I'll go the over. I will go over on the okay. three points and we will see. That will be our tiebreaker. Which is
1: remarkable because I assume you're gonna say that they're gonna win their first match four-zero. So <laughs> that's why I'm a little bit like, okay. Because <laughs> I, I mean, in my mind, they're winning the eight-nine the matchup with whoever wins the eight-nine match. They're gonna yeah, win N- Notre Dame versus Wake Forest. I'm gonna go 4-0 there. So I yeah, look, hey. The over is good. I guess you're supposed to do
0: half points, right? Because it could I know. be three well, that's, exactly. Yeah. I know. It, so I think it's going to be. I think they drop three points. Right. So you said they're going to drop three, and I'm saying they're going to drop four. <laughs> I'm going the over <laughs> on it. Uh, you can ha- you win anything under three. I win four plus. There we go. Okay. Nice and even. Sure. All right. Well, that wraps up the you know, three big Power 5 conference tournaments this week. There are also a lot of non-Power 5 conference tournaments this weekend as well. A lot of those will also be on ESPN+. You can check out the ITA website that has listed a lot of the conference tournaments. Uh, definitely check out those. A lot of those are really fascinating because they are winner take all right if you win the the tournament play in you get the play in else your ranking probably is not good enough i wrote a brief article on former florida associate head coaches tanner stumps website college tennis crash course we previewed the bubble for the women's ncaa tournament and i wrote about the best of the rest meaning the non-power five teams it is chaos there are so it many teams. There are so been. many teams and you never know because you're like well i don't know they're ranked 60 but if they win their tournament they're in so like yeah maybe um it's going to be really interesting it's going to be a jam-packed week let us know your thoughts on all of these conference tournaments as well as the ones that we weren't able to preview today on twitter at jtweets tennis on instagram at no ad no problem ethan on twitter at ethan we'll be back next week we will have a few more power five conference tournaments to preview and then that's it then it is pure ncaa from here on out thanks again ethan for doing this and we will see you all next week